Welcome back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast with your host, John Fedro. Tune in weekly, plus listen to past episodes designed to make you money, save you time, and give you confidence as an active mobile home investor. Now, here's your host, John Fedro. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast, uh, episode number 35. And I'm very excited to have uh, Isabel joining me on the co-hosting microphone today. Isabel, you there? Yes, sir. Hey there. This is John Fedro again. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm interrupting right now because in this podcast, it's going to be a little bit different than normal because I'm going to splice in kind of a commentary along the way along this podcast. There's a lot of ground we cover. There's a lot of actionable uh, items. Isabel is doing an amazing job in a short period of time, and I want you to be able to absorb what we are talking about in this podcast. So to make things more clear, I am going to splice in some commentary. So this will not be the last time that you hear from me uh, interrupting this podcast, but I promise it'll be worth it. Uh, Okay, now back to Isabel. Okay, we got uh, got Isabel on the mic. We're going to be talking about um, something that we've never talked about on, on this podcast, soft skills that they, 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 they permeate everything that you do. You know, the soft skills of you interacting with the public, with clients, with um, the general public, like, like I said, it just permeates everything you do. So, I mean, it's like, this should have been maybe the first episode that we did, but it's now number 35. Um, so yeah, we're talking about soft skills and you have amazing soft skills, uh, Isabel. I'm not sure if anybody ever told you that, but, um, We'll get into more of that on the call. Please, if you would, introduce yourself. Um, yeah, introduce yourself, please. Kind of a background story or what you're, yeah, what you're doing now. Just uh, so folks that are listening on this podcast, they know a little bit more about you. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I want to say thank you, first of all, for having me on the pack, uh, podcast. Uh, you know, what it do, John? You know, what it do? Oh, yeah, what it do. And also, also Mobile Home Nation, what up? Before I begin, uh, I'd like to preface a couple of things, if I could. Uh, during the interview, you're going to hear me be sharp, snarky, arrogant, flippant. Uh, that's how I am. That's how I am in a personal interaction with a friend. But it's not how I am with mobile home sellers, buyers, or other situations. Uh, I, compart- I compart- compartmentalize my personality, even though I can't pronounce the word. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to the person I'm talking with, to, to a loved one to my son, to a business situation, to a social situation. Uh, whether or not you like my uh, personality as you hear this, uh, uh, that's not how I conduct my seller with my sellers and buyers. And please keep that in mind as you as you hear some of the things that I do, some of the soft skills that I, that I share. Uh, some of the applications I use, some of the methods I use, they are, they work for me. They might not work for you, your market, your part of the country, but they do work for me. Hopefully, maybe you can grasp some of them, use some of them. And so, yeah. Um, also, um, let's get this, you know, if we're going to do this, John, let's let's get real with this shit. I've been doing it for five and a half months. I've been doing it part-time, and I've grossed $60,300 or $60, in five and a half months doing it part-time. Um, so John, ask away. Whoa, whoa, $60,000, less than half a year. That is using what Isabel has learned in the mobile home formula training and applying things. Uh, 
That is awesome. Now, I told you that this podcast was going to be a little bit different. And in addition to that, uh, in addition to all of the content we are talking about on this podcast, if you are a Mobile Home Formula member, there's a special offer because Isabel is going to be giving 20, 25 or so minutes to sort of tighten up uh, the the framework that we have when we're talking with sellers, that when we are um, doing everything that we do as mobile home investors. So anyway, uh, if you're member of the mobile home formula then stay tuned definitely to the end if you are not then what are you waiting for and also stay tuned to the end anyway because um, there's a lot of great info and uh, now back uh, to isabel in the original regular podcast what were you doing before mobile homes well before mobile homes i was uh, for seven years i was doing rei specifically or mainly wholesaling sub tubes and owner finance and owner finance in the last four years along with sub tubes uh, I've really, really focused on owner financing. Just about it. Oh, not well. Every, yeah, just about every sub two I've done. Eventually, it becomes an owner finance. And in owner finance agreements themselves, I can do them uh, 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 straight from the get go. So I get somebody to sell or finance me, whether it's with a down payment or no down payment, and then I move it forward and sell it to a to an end buyer. So. Let's unpack what we heard just here, what Isabel said. Uh, if you're experienced in real estate, then I promise this will only take just a few seconds. Uh, for the newer folks, the term subject to, uh, that is a general term you often use in real estate to refer to purchasing a mobile home uh, without paying off the underlying lien, without paying off the underlying bank loan. In short, an investor, us, may change the name on the deed to a property or of a property, but keep the original debtor in place, the original bank loan in place. There are pros and cons to buying properties this way. And when you do this, you can also sell that same property for payments to a payment buyer, which is called seller financing. Uh, now that we are all sort of caught up and we understand the terms together, uh, let's continue on with the uh, uh, what Isabella said. Uh, these last two years, I did that and I did that very well. Unfortunately or unfortunately, I worked for somebody else. So so I would get a commission. The strength of it though was I really got to hone my own owner financing skills. And so that's how I approach mobile home investing with a mobile, uh, excuse me, with an owner finance uh, mindset. Uh, how does, when you, how did you, how did you get hooked up with that company and is that's why did you even join that company in the first place before mobile homes when you were doing the real estate single family homes why did you get partnered with this company was that just a regular job or did you did you always want to do real estate or no the... company uh it, it was actually two companies and i'm sorry prior to real estate investing i was a police officer for 20 years and i was in the army for nine years and in between i did a bunch of bouncing jobs in nightclubs in Chicago, bumping around, flunking out of college, just partying. But uh, these two companies, <laughs> these two companies, uh, what it was is I was trying to sell a wholesale deal to one of the partners. And one of the partners, incredibly generous person, and he, and he was a big time owner finance guy. So he comes out there, he looks at it, and we're inside and we're talking about it. And the seller's there and uh, he starts telling me why he can't buy. It. And I say, you know what? Can we go outside and discuss this? Okay. And we stand in the sidewalk and he tells me why he can't buy it. But then he starts breaking it down to me how in certain circumstances he might, he might buy it through owner financing. 
long story long, he gave me a 45 minute block of instruction on, on owner financing right there in the dead of the heat and in the sidewalk. Afterwards, I told him value to value, what value can I bring to you? I wanna work with you. I wanna learn owner finance. And so he goes, well, yeah, you can, you can work for me and you work on commission, we'll do this and we'll do that. So that's what I did for about two and a half years. I traded value for value. Value to them, uh, bringing my skills, screening, uh, screening sellers, screening um, buyers, uh, my understanding of sub twos, putting, putting these transactions together and their value was to, or not their, but his value was reinforcing my owner finance skills and taking me to another level. So when you heard that figure earlier that I made 60,300 in five and a half months, a lot of it comes from walking into these mobile home agreements with a owner finance mindset. I think maybe that's a difference maker for me. How do you mean the owner finance mindset? Does that affect what you're saying or does that affect you, how you look at the people or the offers that you're making or? It's uh, what I'm saying and also the offers. The homes themselves, I look at them and even if they're run down and uh, they're a piece of crap homes, I see the value in them and I see what rehab it needs and I take that into account into my price at the same time I maximize the price that I sell it for, or what me and you have talked about. I uh, I set it at a top down price and I set it at my minimum price. And the top down price, minimum price, bottom line, it's this: buy for a dollar, sell for two. So my minimum price is always going to be twice as much what I paid for, if I paid for it even. And then the other part is I'm going to have my top down price and let the let my end buyers talk me down. Recently, I sold a home. Excuse me. I put out a home for twenty-eight thousand. Uh, that was my talk-down price. My uh, minimum price was twenty-four, and my end buyer twisted my arm and convinced me to sell it to him for twenty-seven thousand. And 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 then also the the approaching of the seller, the approaching of the seller. I approach them basically, and literally, it's basic in four ways. I approach them as a as a as a wholesale deal cash. Or if they can't do that, if they can't reach my bottom line, let's say it's a home that really I can't pay no more than 5,000 and they're insisting on seven or eight. And if I think I can pull seven or eight from an end buyer, first I'll give them the option of cash, 5,000. Second, I'll give them the, okay, well then let's try to meet your price, but then I'm gonna request an option of 45 days to sell it. So now I put no money down, I got 45 days to sell it and I sell it. And then, and then the last two owner finance version is I try to get absolutely try to get it owner finance the way John teaches in the program, or I try to get it owner finance with no down payment. Uh, no down payment I've done before with single family residents where the person just say, okay, I'll let you have the house for, you know, they want 150, I'll give them 180, no down payment, no, uh, no interest or payment monthly, and just the balance in 100 and, uh, 150 months, 120 months, 90 months. So those are two of the ways that I approach it from the owner finance mindset. So you're making multiple offers to just one person. With everyone that I work with, that is something that we aim to accomplish. Multiple offers to one seller. If you go to a mobile home and look at that property, you should make the seller multiple offers. Typically, it's a cash offer, a payment offer, a balloon offer, a hybrid offer, also to wholesale or consign the property. Uh, two to three offers, uh, to show that we can pay a spectrum of prices and terms uh, depending on if we pay more money now, more money later, 
and there's pros and cons to that for you for the for the seller of course now there are situations where you would just want to make one purchase offer to a seller keep the rest of your offers up your sleeve depending on what the seller says next kind of in the negotiation but that's normal and that's a yeah that's the, the process that we use with all the sellers uh, to then get to a win-win price that makes very good sense to us and the seller isn't going to do anything that they're not happy with but you know it's a uh, we have to listen and work with the seller and typically make a lot of offers now that we're on the same page let's head back to the show you don't take the first no for an answer uh no sir uh like i tell people and ironically i learned this from a from my 20 21 year old roommate uh he was my buddy uh i met him as a security guard he always wanted to be a police officer so i helped him out gave him references talked to the right people picked up a phone call but he taught me one thing he did retail before he did security guard, and he said he was a no professional. I go, no professional? What, what does that mean? No professional. I'll take no, and I'll just keep moving forward. I'm not going to be obnoxious and pushy salesman guy, but I'm going to move forward with different options. And at the end, if they still say no, then we're going to say politely, thank you. Please, uh, please uh, call us if something changes and put them on our perpetual uh, marketing rotation, like you like to say. So I'm a no professional. You can tell me no all you want. You can line up 10 sellers and 10 and nine can tell me no, but I know one's going to tell me yes. And that gen the guy who told you that was originally in retail, just cl clothes or something? Yeah, as a teenager, he was in retail. Then when he turned uh, 21 and he could become a security guard, that's what he did. And I was doing what's called in police work, an extra job at a grocery <laughs> store. And he was there. And like a lot of security guards, they bugged me about getting into police work. And most of them are not, you know, they have no follow through. He did. He, he was a he was an outstanding young man and now he's he's been in the sheriff's department there in houston harris county for about 10 years i think now oh that's awesome i remember you telling me about him that's right the the folks that i work with that do the best or have the quickest uh results in the beginning are the people that are not afraid to ask questions you ask questions um, you're curious about things, you know, this is your niche, this is your specialty, whether you're going to be in mobile homes for the next 50 years, or just the next five years, you know, you should know what's going on. If you see something weird, you know, why does this look like that? Why are those uh -huh. people standing all around? Why is that, you know, weird thing happening over here? Something I noticed about you right away. And I don't know if this is from the police work bouncing, uh, or your real your single family house experience, but you know you were putting in the same efforts as as every as 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 other people in the group, but your conversion rate whenever you go and see and talk to sellers, it's not that of a new person. Your conversion rate is something of a very um, experienced investor, but it doesn't. But it's more of an attitude Okay, thing. I'm going to interrupt myself right now and paraphrase for you because this is very important. Uh, it's not the purchase offers. It's not just the purchase offers that Isabel is making that makes his conver conversions so good. It's also the language that he uses that we talk about in the mobile home formula and his attitude. Uh, that's a big part of it. Do you remember as a kid, uh, that cool kid, that you wanted to kind of hang around. Uh, maybe you were that cool kid, but that cool kid that was just so natural and made you feel natural and at ease and like you belonged. Uh, that's what I remember. And Isabel is very good at doing that. Um, 
It's so, so important that when dealing with sellers and buyers, they know that we are being real. They can trust us. We're not being a politician with them. It's something that I see uh, It's kind of a change or a click after a year or so of, of active investing in mobile homes or real estate. There's a point where we get tired of putting on a happy face as investors and we just start acting real. We don't want to waste the seller's time. More importantly, we don't want to waste our time. We really want to do the deal and help the seller out but we also won't lose sleep if we have to walk away. Uh, kind of that attitude that that cool kid had back in school. Uh, okay, back and to the that's podcast. that's the exact attitude to have with a buyer or a seller. They can feel that. They see that. When, you're, when you tell them, hey, let's be real, and this is what the deal is, I mean, you come across like, a, like an authority. You come across like you're not trying to jerk them around. You don't want to waste their time. You don't want to waste our time, you know, your own time. So you've, 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 you've had that attitude from the beginning, whether it was faking it or not. That's just something I don't know if I've ever told you, but you know, I saw it from the very beginning and I'm not surprised that you know, your conversion rate is higher because that's something that most people don't figure out for a while. Yeah, well, like if maybe some folks are thinking, well, he uses police work uh, being a family anchor because I have a son um, as a maybe uh, Using using that some form of social validation. I never tell nobody I'm a police officer. I think I told you maybe two two and a half months after we started that I used to work as a police officer. I don't use that as a validation. What I use as validation is uh, politeness, um, uh, directness, and also inference and condition, or, or what I have a tendency to call inference dialogue. And so one of the things I work on, and this is kind of a detriment, but I really work on it a lot being in the military for nine years, being a bouncer tough guy in Chicago and being a police officer, I naturally don't smile. I purposely look people directly in the eye because that's what they teach you. And it's rude, it's, uh, it's direct, it's too aggressive. So I purposely smile and laugh. And my goal initially when I talk to these folks is to get them to smile and laugh, to connect with them emotionally. And then from then we continue with the talks, but this beginning starts off with the phone call. First thing I do, it's good afternoon, um, good morning, good evening. And that's my key to me. That's my key to me, trigger, smiling at. And so I always ask them, good afternoon, good evening, and how can I help you? And I start from there and I condition them in the, over the phone before I even go to their house. I condition them and I even discard them at times to get them in a position where I'm gonna get the house when I get there. And should we reach an agreement, I'm gonna get it at the, either the price I want or very close. And that in turn leads to these big, 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 what I consider big profits. I mean, you think about it, eight deals in five and a half months ain't that much, but I'm making some slamming deals. And so it's worked out for me. Just a few seconds ago, Isabel was talking about conditioning sellers over the phone before going to appointments. That's so we don't waste anybody's time. Again, we are investors, we're professionals. We have better things to do than rush out to every single seller that calls us or we call them. Uh, we want to make sure that the sellers are flexible, they understand about payments and our cash offers and kind of we prepare them. Uh, and we also wanna make sure that they're flexible and halfway motivated. We understand the situation, the park, if the home has to be moved. So conditioning the seller over the phone before you go to the appointment. And this doesn't take a tremendous amount of time, uh, 
few minutes or more. But uh, again, better than going to an appointment that you have no business going to. Now, what we are going to talk about is uh, Isabel is going to talk about uh, going to first appointments and then talking with mobile home sellers. Let's not even go to the appointment. Let's just say it's the first phone call. It's the first interaction from a seller that's, that's calling you. Is there something that you listen for or that you look for or that you try to do over the phone call? Yeah, some of the things I listen to, well, actually, a lot of things I listen to come through your program. Before I, before I discuss what I listen to, let me just maybe talk a little bit about the program, because this ain't just me. I didn't fall from somewhere from another planet. This was taught to me by John Federal. And your program, and I've told you before, it's a complete program. It teaches you how to screen cars, how to do the deal, how to do the advanced deals. And if you're not sure, he has some great audio, oh, awesome audios. Uh, it teaches you. It teaches you to chase the quick nickel as opposed to the slow dime. The slow dime is what I was doing before. I was doing maybe one deal every four months, maybe. And now with mobile home investing, it's the quick nickel. And the quick nickel with a lot of profit. Um, and so I do what, what you train us to do in the program. Um, that's why I call, like, I call your, <laughs> I jokingly call your program the art of probability. This ain't this, this ain't, this ain't possibility, it's probability. Some, some, some REI teachers, instructors will tell you, well, you know, you need to take maximum imperfect action, which I disagree with. Maximum imperfect action deals with possibilities, not probabilities. Possibilities are kind of, sort of, maybe one deal for uh, every four months, five months, like I was doing. What you want to deal with is probabilities. So then those are, those are some of the things I, uh, I deal with when I'm screening. The key indicators that I'm looking for when, when I'm screening, and I'm sorry, this is a, this, this is a broad phrases, but I look for a reasonable seller and a rational seller. And I don't care if they're sophisticated or unsophisticated. As far as sophisticated, some maybe REI instructors or even practitioners, uh, REI investors, they're concerned about, they're concerned about sophisticated. Well, you know, they're too smart. I don't know. I prefer sophisticated. Uh, sellers. Uh, my best deals, owner financing, have been with sophisticated buyers. But whether sophisticated or, or unsophisticated, I want a reasonable and rational seller. And as I'm talking on the phone with them, I get that vibe from them. I've, I've worked with irrational buyers or sellers before that got six days before they get foreclosed on, and they said, screw it, unless you give me my $10,000, I'm not selling And I'm trying to be uh, reasonable with them. You know, you're going to lose your home. You're going to get a foreclosure on your record. Your credit's going to be ruined. And worst of all, you're not going to be able to co-sign for your children in the future when they have to get a car or a house, go to college. I don't care. That's not that's not a motivated seller, but what everybody says you should, you should be looking for. So I discard them. I look for reasonable, rational sellers over the phone. Some of the indicators that they're reasonable and rational, it's like John says, or like you say, John, they're, 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 they're humble on the phone. They understand their circumstances, maybe not completely, but they understand the difficulty of their circumstances. They understand when I discard their home, that your home needs this, your home needs that, your home needs that. Maybe you should sell it to somebody else. They understand that I'm right. And they understand because of my honesty, not necessarily directness with them, but my honesty that, you know what, I'm a guy that, you know, they can talk to, they can trust. I'm, a, I'm an investor they can talk to, they can trust. That, that trust word is, it's not, maybe it's not more important than money maybe to a lot of people, but it is so damn important. 
Um, people will sell to you over somebody else if they trust you more. I mean, if the money, you know, it's, the dollars have to be similar to some extent, but that trust is so important. Um, if the seller doesn't trust you, they're not going to fully open up to you. Uh, you're not going to get the lowest price that you could. You're not going to get all the facts that you could. Um, yeah, they're not, you don't, you're not going to get a call back necessarily as quick as you would. Um, anyway, yeah. it just that trust word is so important. Um, I, yeah, I just the, didn't want to gloss over that. I want to, anyway. No, no. I mean, and, and that trust, uh, you know, you have to work on it uh, mm -hmm. uh, in your own personal self, but a lot of it just comes from what you teach in the, uh, in the program. I mean, like I, like I, like I also like to think about your program. It's not, you don't ask us to take maximum imperfect action. What you're providing us is maximum profit producing actions. Keep working it. Keep working it. Maximum producing it. M what I call MPPA. Keep working it. Now you'll find out as I have found out that after you work it for a certain amount of time and in general for me it's four months to six months and it just doesn't produce. It doesn't produce. Then you drop it and then you focus on the other ones that are producing for you. You know, I try to keep it C, uh, S E E, simple, efficient, effective. And if those maximum pr profit producing actions that you initially teach us in pretty much module one through three, one of them is not working for me because of my area, or maybe it's just flat out me. I drop it and I focus on the other ones that are uh, making me money, building me wealth. Right now, I'm about, um, I'd say I, I apply your program at this point about 90 to 93% of the time. And I've done some tweaks to it. I've done some tweaks to it, but for the most part, 90, 93% of the time. I'm glad that you did that. Real estate is a bit of a smorgasbord. You know, if you, if you learn something from somebody, you can kind of choose which things you want to implement into your own business. You can leave stuff behind or you can, you know, check that out later. So I know that that's right on and it's working for you. The numbers right. speak for themselves. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to sellers, what's something different from single family house sellers to mobile home sellers? Well, just on the, on the profit margin, it's the quick nickel as opposed to mm. the slow down. That's one. Uh, two, as far as the, as far as the uh, sellers, they generally have a tendency to reach out to you because they really need to sell the house. Uh, I still really haven't gotten no, nobody in, I guess, uh, desperation, but they really are serious about selling their house. Whereas um, the sellers for, for single family residents in many instances are tire pickers. They just want to see what's out there, if they can get, a, uh, get an idea of what, the, what they can get for their house and see what an investor might give. Uh, but they're not necessarily uh, moving too fast to sell their home. So those are some of the difference I see, differences I see. Of the, in the last five months, the eight deals that you've done, I believe it's eight, uh, what do those look like to you? Are, uh, are they any of them buy and holds? Are they senior parks? Are they homes on land? Um, majority of them have been wholesale in the sense that they were homes on land that needed to be moved. Three of them, they just flat out gave them to me for free. Uh, they were they were borderline junkers, but I knew, um, and, and that's also one of my strengths here is I knew my, my, um, my buyer culture, what they looked for, I knew that I could resell them for a decent profit. When I got for free and I sold it for uh, 6,000, I believe. The other one I got for free, I sold it for 9,000. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, and cash. most of them have been most yeah cash. Most of them have been wholesale. I recently met one of my markers because I have certain markers before I consider myself a certain level. Right now, uh, whatever you're hearing from me or whatever figures you heard, I still consider myself uh, a, a, a beginner. But I, but I hit one of my markers, which was to buy a property from a mobile home park. And that one, I really, really, really wanted to leave it there and owner finance because, you know, that's what I like. That's my mindset. But turns out they gave me a, a slam dunk cash offer, so I sold it. <laughs> Isabel yeah, is no. definitely being humble in this clip. Uh, he's also definitely stacking up a lot of cash by uh, selling homes via consignment, wholesaling mobile homes, purchasing them to then reflip really quick with making little to no repairs. A lot of these mobile homes must be moved. Uh, he doesn't have to move the homes. He's selling them to people that oftentimes want to move them. And some of these homes can stay in place, of course. But he also mentioned about purchasing these fabled free homes. And yes, there are free mobile homes in every state. Uh, I know that I can hear the laughter uh, from some people already. Uh, but there are. There are absolutely free mobile homes in every state. Some states more than others or at different times of the year. But they go fast. The first person that sees it might want it because it's free. I would say more so than finding free homes, Isabel is negotiating $0 prices for these homes. They need work. They need repairs. There is effort involved. And these are from logical sellers, uh, people that are tired of looking at the mobile home and they want the home gone more than they want the money. And again, the home likely needs a good deal to great deal worth of work and depending on the age and the size and all that. So uh, I just wanted to mention that it's not finding the free homes versus negotiating them. Um, the way that Isabel was taught, the way that we work together, the way that we negotiate properties together for sellers, uh, me and Isabel. So anyway, wanted to make that mention that it's not finding the home so much as negotiating them. Now we are going to talk about Isabel's exit strategy, selling these for cash versus selling them on payments. Of the cash offer that they gave you, if you would have sold this on payments, do you think that you could have doubled that cash? You could have sold it for double on payments or probably not double? No, I would have uh, probably sold it for about maybe uh, 10,000 more. Oh. 10,000. I would probably sold it 10,000 more. Yeah. No, over, over, like, over like 67, oh, actually 72 months, over 72 months. No, you did the right thing. Or I mean, this, I mean you're not right or wrong, but take that money and reinvest it. Nice. Um, that's awesome. Okay. So those have been those deals. Have there been any, uh, what scares you? Is there anything, I mean, you have this, I mean, I'm sure that you have, you get, you get scared, but yeah, what in this business, what's fearful or what scares you or what's maybe not scares the right word, but yeah. What, anything like that, that come, that come, that comes to mind. I don't know about fear or, uh, or scared. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate you lived this long of a life as I have not much things scare you know actually my struggle and i knew my struggle before i even started the program my struggle was to put everything i knew about the process of selling a house everything i knew about my perceptions of single family i had to put them away just put them away and just dedicate myself to doing uh doing your program and uh i i just that's what i did and i focused on it and the program like i said it's a complete program for those uh maybe new uh, uh, new uh, members to, to, to the format program or those that have been in it, in it for a while. If you're not sure, John, and this is one reason that I say it's complete, he teaches you how to do subject twos and owner finance agreements or it's commonly called deals. 
So uh, it was just putting my mindset aside, just dropping what I knew and just putting my head down and doing the program. And that's what I did. Like I said, I'm even now, I'm up about to 90, 93% of just, I follow the program. I had my tweaks here and there, but I follow the program. Uh, no, but that was, uh, there was nothing really that scared me. It was just, I knew that was my struggle. Just like everybody else, sometimes we think we're smart guy and we're not that <laughs> smart. If, if we were that smart, we wouldn't be doing one deal to four deals or every uh, one deal every four months, five months like I was. Right here again, Isabel is being very humble, uh, but he is right about so many of us, including myself, uh, thinking that we are smarter than we are at one time or many times in our lives. <laughs> is there anything in the mobile home world in these last five months, is there anything that you did that you won't do again? Was there any kind of some dumb mistake that you made that cost you some money or cost you something or anything that comes to mind? Or? Oh, yeah, there is one thing and it necessarily doesn't cost me money. Uh, well, okay, two things. I'm sorry, two things. One thing and it more cost me struggle than it cost me money. And the struggle is I initially like for the last, no, for, excuse me, for the first six homes, I didn't really emphasize too much to the seller, the process of getting the tax record to be able to transfer the title. And so now I'm having to go back and these people already got their money, they spent it, and they're not that motivated to get it to me. All right, just so that we're all on the same page here, what Isabel is talking about for his first six deals is not completely educating the seller about all the steps needed. Uh, when you are wholesaling mobile homes or selling via consignment, you are being the middle person and not really buying the home. The home is skipping over yourself, it's going from the seller, you are finding a buyer, and you're getting paid in the middle. And the question is, do you just take your money and run? Or do you actually help the seller, like, you know, get it out of their name and into the new buyer's name um, with all of the paperwork and proof of taxes and release of liens and anything else needed in that particular deal. So you don't just take the money and run, but you actually do make sure that the home gets fully transfer transferred into the buyer's name. Additionally, you're going to make sure that the seller does not get all of their money until you get all the forms you need from that seller. You're there to answer any questions, there to help out, here to, uh, there to be the professional. So now let's go back to the original podcast and hear more from Isabel. But I talk to them. I talk to them in different forms, whether it's just straight up or I appeal to their culture or I appeal to their sense of responsibility. So that's one. The other thing is I came across a home. I got it, or excuse me, I got the, I got the seller to sell it to me for 8000 and I was already going to bump it out for thirty-two. And we talked about it, John. The 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 mistake there was that I shouldn't have given them a 45-day option. I should have just turned around three days later and gave them cash and get all the paperwork done. But because I gave them a 45-day option, about seven days later, they called me and took it back. And I'm one of those that I'm not going to fight them. I'm not going to fight them. They're like, no, well, you know, we got a memorandum. And no, it's not, it's not worth the legal cost, the hassle. Just let it go. Give them a kiss. Thank you. Next. All right, let me break this down for you a little bit. Here's the lesson that Isabel is describing. Uh, if you have a good deal that you have under contract, you're planning on wholesaling the home, selling it via consignment. If you're dealing with a sketchy seller, 
which by the way, we don't want to deal with sketchy sellers. You should purchase the home quickly. Purchase the home so there's no risk of that seller going somewhere else because before you have ownership or you take uh, the title or take a signed title or, or the right paperwork depending on your state, uh, they can always back out. The seller can back out. Uh, said this another way, if you are wholesaling a home, selling on consignment, and you're, you're going to make a profit that may make the seller jealous, you're making as much as the seller's making or more money than what the seller's making, uh, that will make the seller jealous. They may back out of the deal because they feel like you shouldn't get paid that much. If that's the case, you know, if you're making that much, you're dealing with a sketchy seller, uh, if that's a possibility of that, close on the home take control of the property and then resell it to a new buyer risk-free. Now let's talk about on this same deal, let's talk about the sellers that Isabel was dealing with. Why'd that seller have have a uh, change of heart like that? I do not know. There were, there were, I thought, somebody else might not think this, but they were initially squirrely from the beginning and I got that vibe from them. Uh, you approach me, you approach me whether it's a seller buyer and telling me that you're an honest person, a person of integrity, and you put the lower before anything else, and you, and you really don't need a contract because the lower knows that means my 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 eyes perk up. Uh, maybe it's a cynicism from being a police officer along or just growing up in Chicago, but I perked up, I sat up, and I said, you know what, I don't know about these people. I should have just paid them off the first three days or about two, three days later and dropped them my $8,000 cashier's check. The house is mine. You got 30 days to move. And not not directly like that, but you know, politely the way I normally talk to these sellers. I would just like to add something for all the folks listening that to close on these mobile homes, whether it's on land or what we're talking about, mobile homes that are just personal property, that takes money. $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 or more. Now, uh, if you're part of the mobile home formula, you have access to private money uh, from possibly myself or possibly members in the group. Uh, if you're not a member of the program, uh, then you still have access to private money, possibly from family members, friends, acquaintances that hear that you're doing deals. Uh, they see what you're doing. They're getting jealous. Other local investors that know what you're doing, uh, investors in other Facebook groups uh, for private money. So I did want to mention that, that, you know, if you don't have that money, that private money, especially in today's, you know, 2021 environment is out there and mobile homes are not the ugly stepchild that they used to be. So if the numbers make sense, you know, private money can be found in order to get the deal done quickly. And that brings up a few memories of just different folks over the years that, uh, have just taught, you know, just have really convinced me at the time, like, you don't ever have to worry about me, you know, like, I want to do this deal with you, or I'm going to be the best tenants you ever had, you don't have to worry about that, I get my money. And sweet old ladies, I mean, are just people you wouldn't even think of, or, or that they bring, they bring God into it, or they bring, you know, like, I, I'm super this one this way, or I'm super this way, or in the name of my children, you know, maybe the some, life of my children, something like yeah. that, yeah. Isabel, we've only been working together for maybe, like you said, five and a half, six months or so. There's a lot more to do. There's mobiles attached to land. There's mobiles in parks. There's the senior mobiles in those parks. There's the entire mobile home parks. Um, I hope to know you for a lot longer to come and keep, yeah, keep working together. Um, what I'd like to do now, thank you everyone for listening that's been listening. Um, 
we are going to now shift over. And if you're a member of the Mobile Home Formula, this podcast is going to keep going. And if you're not, then it will end very soon. But if you are a member of the Mobile Home Formula, we're going to go ahead and talk more in depth right now uh, a bit about what Isabel is doing when he goes to these appointments. Unfortunately, this is the part of the podcast where I have to say goodnight to some of you. Uh, if you are not a member of the Mobile Home Formula, I thank you very much for listening. I hope that this was valuable. I hope that you can implement uh, some of what we talked about here into your business. If you are a member of the Mobile Home Formula, then lucky you, please go to our Facebook group. Uh, access can be found in Lesson 1.1 if you're not already joined on wonderful Facebook. I know I hate Facebook as well, but we use it for the group and for a few other things, of course. So uh, sign up if you're not already, if you're in part of the Mobile Home Formula. And then when you're there, uh, I will post the remaining part of this podcast there. If you're watching this later, past 2021, go to our Facebook group and search in the little search area, uh, type in Isabel Podcast, and then that will pull up the remaining, you know, part of this podcast that isn't going to be here. So again, thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Have a great rest of the day. Uh, go take action. Go be productive. If you, if you have any questions, you can always email me directly, support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. Again, that's support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. The ideas and advice given in today's episode are for entertainment purposes only. If you have future ideas or questions for upcoming episodes, please email us at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, the biggest compliment you can give is to like and share this podcast with your friends. 